and welcome to the second episode of the Marte Vogt podcast. I'm Natalia, and this podcast is produced by Forschungsverbund Berlin, an alliance of eight research institutes in Berlin, Germany. Marte Vogt podcast is a series of interviews where young female researchers share stories of their scientific journeys. Some of these journeys are quite linear, while others are filled with searching and doubts, and some are purely accidental. There is really no one and only right way to become and be a scientist. However, I've personally always been fascinated by those who appear to be sure from the very young age that she or he wants to become a scientist, and then managed to stick to this choice and did not deviate throughout the years. My guest today, an aquatic microbial ecologist, Dr. Mina Bizic, is exactly this type of person. Mina has obtained her master's degree in hydrobiology at the University of Belgrade in Serbia and then spent three years as a research assistant at the Israel Oceanographic and Limnological Research Institute. She did her PhD in molecular ecology at the Max Planck Institute for Marine Microbiology in Bremen. And since 2014, Mina has been doing her postdoctoral research at Leibniz Institute for Freshwater Ecology and Inland Fisheries in the Department of Experimental Limnology. Enjoy listening. Hi, Mina, and thanks a lot for hosting me and taking time for this interview. I would like to start maybe from the very beginning. You were born and grew up in Belgrade, Serbia. Do you remember yourself as a kid? What were you like? Wow. Hi. It feels really good to rewind back to my childhood because it was a happy one and... I was very curious. I was stubborn. I was smiley, like I'm smiling now all the time. And according to my parents, I was empathic and a responsible kid. If I think back in time, my parents were very much encouraging my curiosity and stubbornness. And I don't really know if it was because my mom being a psychologist and my dad scientist, but it, it simply just didn't feel like they were trying to change it or this is what they wanted me to believe. And you said your dad was a scientist and you were a curious kid. Were you also interested in science already back then? Did you also think that you might want to become a scientist? Yes, there's a big yes. I, I, I simply knew. Ever since I was knocked over by a wave as a little girl, I somehow knew. I just knew it. I wanted to become a scientist and research life in water. And why exactly life in water? Where did the idea to become a marine biologist and research life in water came to you? Well, um, when I was a kid, we used to go on family vacations in Greece. And then I would spend all day long playing with my brother. We were building sandcastles and chasing waves. And then my love for the, for the sea only, only grew stronger. Um, once I saw what is actually hiding underneath that, and it was just a whole new world for me. And my father was a scientist and a diver, and then he would take me and my brother for snorkeling. And so on the following vacations, we would always go snorkeling, and I would snorkel for hours, and then I was dreaming of pursuing a career in marine sciences. I think this is how my love was born. And now as an adult, I often think how... I think Pablo Picasso once said that every child is an artist and then the problem is just how to remain an artist once we grow up and I guess this can also be applied to science. I think it's just similar 
and can be said for scientists. And I always wanted to become one. And people are always intrigued when they hear that I was only five when I decided. Yeah, many people don't have this certainty about their lives even later, much later in their mm, life. Yeah. And so you followed your passion and studied general biology and hydrobiology at the University of Belgrade in Serbia. But after that, you didn't go straight to PhD and proceed with this with your career in marine science, but instead you went to Sweden to pursue another master degree. Could you please tell a bit about this? Yeah, you got that right. Well, at the time, there were no PhD opportunities in Serbia. At least there was nothing that made me say, this is my future, like that's what I'm going to start. So when I learned about an opportunity to combine my passion for science with learning more about my Jewish heritage, and all of this was in Sweden, where actually I have the largest part of my family living, I just decided to take the opportunity. And it was a very interesting experience because I was looking at some of the Jewish, of the rules in Judaism through the eyes of modern science. And still it was not your, it was not your idea to stay with this field of research. You wanted to go back. So at some point afterwards, you decided to go to PhD. When and how did it happen? Um, yeah, after Sweden, I got an opportunity to work in Israel, and this was at Lake Kinneret uh, in Israel, oceanographic uh, and lake and limnological research. And I was a research assistant there in the lab of Werner Eckert. He's a great scientist and a wonderful person, and he was always pointing out how much potential I have, and that I that I should really pursue a PhD. So after three years working with Werner, I realized that I have so many questions and much more interest in uh, what I'm doing so that I could fulfill, that I, then I could fulfill through my work there. And that was actually the time when I decided to continue my path toward my academic independence. I mean, I'm still walking this path, but I hope I'm getting closer and closer. And can you explain maybe more in details? What is your research is about? Yeah, I love to do that. I'm an aquatic microbial ecologist and I study life in water. Um, my research is always in between sea and fresh water, but since water connects and it is a continuum of water bodies of different sizes, that doesn't really matter if it's fresh water or marine. I study life in water focusing on bacteria. And in the last 10 years, I had many small and big projects. Um, some were more in the lab, some were more in the field, some at the computer, but all of my projects were just fascinating and exciting. Uh, what I'm currently doing, I'm focusing on two main topics. The first uh, deals with microbial life on particles, or what uh, is also known as marine snow and uh, those particles sink through the water column. And the second one deals with uh, breaking the paradigm that methane is produced only if there is no oxygen, so only in the absence of oxygen. And uh, I'm really proud of uh, my discoveries in the latter topics since, since I was able to show that cyanobacteria or blue-green algae, also known as blue-green algae, are the most abundant and uh, ancient photosynthetic organisms on Earth can actually produce methane. And they do it just for fun. It's like part of their normal physiology. And what do you enjoy most about your research? 
everything. <laughs> so it's it's so much fun to solve problems and make new discoveries. Um, of course, the big victories are having articles accepted in good journals and then also getting grants because that means that also other scientists evaluated your work and thought it was really high quality. So um, also what uh, other thing that I love about my, my work is that it takes me to wonderful and interesting places, some of which I would never see if science would not have taken me there. I get to see some of the most amazing nature on the planet. I work with interesting people. I also enjoy a fair amount of freedom and independence in my research and get to choose my own directions. And it's also a lot of fun working with students. That's a really important part. Seeing how they evolve and how their excitement grows to match mine. And now that we speak about nice things, maybe we can turn to something that is not so nice. If you can remember, what was your hardest challenge, personal or scientific, during uh, the period of your PhD? Uh, yes, I, I enjoyed my PhD a lot. I had two very supportive advisors. I was mostly immersed in, a, in the financial bubble of the Max Planck Institute. But our son was born when I was in my second year, and this was rather a difficult time since I wanted to continue working, and at the same time I wanted to be with my son. So how this really ended up is that at three months, our son, my husband and I were teaching a marine biology microbiology course. This was totally crazy and totally exhausting, but it also taught me that it's okay to slow down. So I did for a while and I was working mainly on the computer from home and in the rare moments when I really could focus on working and I had both motivation and energy. But at the end, I did finish my PhD in four years and that was really not a big delay for such a great present as a kid. And is there anyone in your field who you call your role model, someone that inspires you and your research? Yes, there are always role models. I was always fascinated by Sylvia Earle and Rachel Carson. And actually, Rachel Carson um, is a role model of Sylvia Earle. And both of them would be my ro role models. And both of them are pioneering marine biologists. And uh, seeing strong women in science, especially in older times, it's, it's really, really empowering. And I've seen on your Twitter that you've recently joined the Leibniz Mentorship Program as a mentee. What motivated you to join it and what are your expectations from it? Um, I want to stay in uh, academia and, well, I am on my way of becoming a group leader, so I was very motivated. And uh, this year I was selected, as you saw, for the Leibniz Mentoring Program. And it's a really great opportunity for female scholars who set their goal of becoming leaders. This is a 16-month long program. And then during this time, I will also get to work with a mentor of my choice. And it will be one-on-one. -on -one. And also as a part of this program's curriculum, I will attend many interesting workshops on the topic. And this is really important. During my academic life so far, I, I came across many different leadership styles and many I wouldn't like to have in my own group, but it's not really enough to, to know what you don't like to be, 
to be great and, and you need to learn from great leaders even if you are a born leader yourself. And also this program is an amazing networking heaven and it provides a, a huge encouragement uh, from other powerful and brilliant women out there. And I know that the subject of women in science in general means a lot to you. And how would you say you are contributing to the advancement and support of women in science? Here I will start with a confession. I'm not a politician. I have never been one and I don't really know if I will ever be a politician. So my actions are more of the personal type uh, rather than those you read about in press releases. I can give you an example um, that I'm proud of. I can mention a conference where I was part of the organizers and when we chose which speakers to invite, I was really happy that a lot of women names came up. But uh, then when the list was finalized, there was one single woman on that list. Since the people were already invited and accepted, it was an awkward situation, but I really insisted and we ended up changing the structure of the whole meeting so that we had, and, and, and at the end, we ended up with an equal number of men and women invited speakers. Uh, there were also other cases where I would like to believe I helped some women scientists to be better heard. I'm very sad that, that, uh, that we have to use this term women in science, so to show that scientists of both genders are equally contributing to the advancement of research. So I hope that by participating in events that highlight the contribution of women to science, like the upcoming, for example, Soapbox Science event on September 19th in Berlin on Washington Platz, where I will be a speaker, or a conference for women in aquatic sciences that was held in Constance last year, we are able to continue diminishing the, the stereotype of the male scientist till the point that the association of the word uh, scientist would be totally genderless. Well, till this happens, I'm happy to be part of these programs like the Leibniz mentoring that I talked about. And these programs aim at helping promising women in science to reach key positions where they would eventually further prove that our gender doesn't really affect our mental capacity. And I know that your husband is also a scientist. Can you tell maybe how did you meet? Well, I think one should be a great believer in fate when it comes to our story. Danny and I met in Israel and we started our first date by apologizing that Later that year, we are going abroad for a long period. So I was uh, going for a PhD and he for a postdoc. And then in the next few minutes, we realized we are heading to the same place. And then we never separated ever since. So I think for Danny, husband would be more of a working title because he's my friend, uh, my partner, my colleague. And besides us raising the two kids together, which is a major and exciting project in itself. We share many, many other scientific ones. And how are you managing dual career so far? 
We are really working strongly on establishing our unique research profiles with independent topics and papers. And so far, we managed to work together at the, at the Max Planck Institute in Bremen, now also at the Leibniz Institute in Berlin. And we really hope to continue this. But if it doesn't work, we will at least try to end up in the same city. And uh, we decided that none of us should get priority at professorships. So whoever gets there first, that's great. But none of us will sit on the bench so the other can make bigger steps forward. It prolongs the process, of course. It can get frustrating uh, at time. But we support each other and we are very flexible to one another work needs. And we just make it work. And what about your kids? How old are they? And do you take them diving with you? Do they show some interest in science as well? Um, yeah, our son Duan is eight and a half. That's really important, and a half. And <laughs> our daughter Eva Mai, she's five. They're definitely water kids. Uh, we managed to infect them with this bug. Duan is only now becoming of age where diving is even an option, uh, at least a short introductory dives. And uh, he has been on several and he really, really loves it. He adores snorkeling with us and he can spend hours in the water just looking at fish and, and life underwater. Now, Eva Mai arrived at the beach this year and she undressed, took a mask and went into water to see what's going on. It took us really by surprise a bit, but I guess it was very, very predictable. So it's really hard to say if they want to be scientists. Um, like other kids on, on Mondays and Wednesdays, Wednesdays, they say yes. But then on the other days, they are pilots, uh, chefs, footballers or doctors. So really, who knows what they're going to be. I mean, our job is to show them the options, let them choose when the time comes and support them, right? Life of a scientist is not really easy life, as you know yourself. So I'm not sure what I wish for them, but I hope they will get satisfaction and some money <laughs> in, in what they end up doing. So let them go for it. I mean, uh, I can only wish them to have it smooth if they decide to, to become scientists and that they reach as high as they want. I think this is very wise words of yours. Thank you very much for this lovely conversation. It was a great pleasure for me to talk to you. Thank you very much. It was a great pleasure to be a guest in your podcast. And I was really, really moved when you suggested I would be a good role model for young girls out there who dream of pursuing an academic career. I think you would. I hope that through this interview, I managed to convey you at least a tiny bit of Mina's energy and personality. If you're interested to hear other interviews from this series, Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or visit the Forschungsverbund website. In the show notes, you can find the direct link to it. Take care. Bye-bye.